1: Well, it is a warm welcome back to our studios, to consumer journalist Wendy Nola and a guest who we'll introduce in just a moment. But, Wendy, great to have you with us. Thanks, Pippa. Always lovely to be here. And a reminder, we are going to be focusing today on domestic workers and particularly what happens if they're injured on duty. After half past one, it's open line time and you can call in with any consumer query on 021-446-0567. Uh, you're also welcome to send a voice note on 072 Five six seven one five six seven. W- Wendy, maybe let's start with a bit of an overview of where things currently stand.
2: Okay, so there's estimated to be around one and a half million South Africans who make a living as domestic workers. And up until the sort of early to mid-2000s, when the Domestic Worker Act, the Sectoral Determination 7 of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, sure, four, four, was okay. finalized. They were pretty much completely unregulated as a segment of 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 uh, workers. There was no minimum wage set no min- maximum hours of work per week, no annual leave set down, no URF nothing. The Act took care of all of that. For example, a domestic worker may not work more than 45 hours a week and if they do, they must be paid overtime and they can't be forced to to work on public holidays. But many domestic workers, even today, 2019, even full-time ones, are still working with no contract, setting out their duties, hours of work, annual leave, sick leave, all of that. They haven't been registered for UIF. There aren't any contributions being made in their name and they aren't being paid overtime. Um, I'm pretty sure that many employers of domestic workers have never even looked at that domestic worker legislation to yeah. find out if they're complying. But, you know, reality is that these workers, most of them are desperate for work, so they do nothing. Um, and I certainly have never heard of Labor, labor Department inspectors doing random checks with Neither anybody by. that I know no. that employs a domestic. Um it's usually only after dismissal that the domestic workers then would take their grievances to the CCMA. But There's another issue that even the sectoral determination for domestic workers has has never addressed, didn't, and not since, um, and nor any other piece of legislation, and that is, as you said, what happens when a domestic worker is injured on duty.
1: Okay, so let's bring in our uh, guest today, Labour lawyer Michael Bagram. So lovely to finally meet you in person. We've spoken on the phone many times. Mike, great to have you in studio today.
0: Thank you, and thanks for having me again. Uh, People normally call me the second time to apologise.
1: I'm very pleased to be here. Glad to have you. Mike, in, in in other sectors, workers who are injured on duty are covered via the Department of Labor, not so?
0: Yes, absolutely. All workers in South Africa have to be covered by workman's compensation. Uh, everyone has to be registered with the Department of Labor through UIF and then they get workman's compensation cover. Uh, that being said... We have hundreds of thousands of workers that aren't, as Wendy has just said, that aren't registered even for UIF. In the domestic worker sector. The majority I speak to, because I get calls every day, in fact have no registration whatsoever, they don't really sure. exist. So this number of one and a half million domestic workers in South Africa are the registered ones. Um, I think that that's 50% of the market sure. out if there. if that, yeah. And because, I mean, can you imagine people in a poor household have a domestic worker, uh, they give them accommodation, food and maybe a few pennies, and that's it. And there's no, nothing formal about it mm. at all. And we're finding that all over. It's, it's, a, it's mm. a very sorry situation.
1: Why is it like this? Because you would expect if, if there's compliance in all other sectors, why aren't domestic workers included in, in, in workmen's compensation? Well, it's a simple
0: answer because there's one workplace, one employee, uh, mm. maybe two. And the bottom line is the Department of Labor have only 1600 inspectors in the whole of South Africa. Um, mm. so that's impossible for them to get to households. Yeah. The second thing is trade unions can't afford to have a domestic worker as a unionist because it, you, you get say 30 rand a month. Um, it's just not worth a Trade union is a business and mm. it's just not worth their while sure. to target a household. So they've got no one covering them at all. Domestic workers are the, uh, unfortunately the most repressed um, part of the workforce. Hmm. Yes, people feel they're lucky to have a job and yes, people are um, part of the employed but it really is poverty stricken employment.
1: Now let's let's talk specifically to this issue of injury while on duty. Can you give us a couple of examples of the kinds of cases you've worked on where this has come up?
0: Yes, uh, this started many years ago, in fact about 30 years ago with my own domestic worker. I have a domestic worker, um, and she's obviously been with me for so many years. Mm. Um, She tells me what to do. She (laughs) certainly knows more about the household than I'll ever know. Um, And I was worried that what happens if she fell? Or she got hurt, and it's something that was had entered my mind, first of all, as a lawyer, and second of all, as a person that has got the certain amount of sympathy. I mean, I've got steps in my house. Imagine if you fall down. In fact, it happened to me, Mm. and I I have medical aid. She's got no medical aid. She can't afford medical aid. And I started inquiring, how do I get her cover? uh, Through workman's compensation, and I was told categorically that domestic workers don't exist in terms of the legislation. Hmm. Now, that was 30 years ago, and it was under apartheid government, and you can understand that it was a lousy system, it was a, a repressive system, and domestic workers won't recognise
1: And they just won't go to care. And
0: mm. we were very lucky to come into a democratic country, and we were very lucky to have a new dispensation, a new Labour Relations Act, very exciting, and one looks at the legislation, and domestic workers were left out. Mm. And it, it was a weird set of circumstances. And I remember writing as an attorney to the Department of Labor saying, Well, what is that all about? You still don't recognize domestic workers. And they said they're going to get around to it. Now, that was about 25 years ago. We're still waiting. I'm still waiting to this day. I then, after much. Uh, toing and froing, decided that obviously you've got a you, discretion is the better part of valor, and you must do something that's illegal. And I then employed her through my business um, as a small attorneys firm, and I said, well, you know, you can come in here one afternoon a month, and you've been employee of ours. We'll register you for UIF and workmen's compensation, and now you've got cover. I uh, also just to help her out, I also then. Took a uh, hospital cover just in case because mm. workman's compensation, it's another doesn't debate. It doesn't go very far, yeah. doesn't go very far, and it's another debate for another day because I've just dealt with the case now where a guy got injured 23 years ago and still hasn't been paid. But <sighs> that's another issue altogether. What we're talking about today is that domestic workers have been left out in the cold completely. About four years ago, I tackled the Minister of Labour who I happened to be sitting in a meeting with, and it wasn't about this issue, and I said, what about domestic workers and workmen's compensation? She said it had been brought to her attention, um, now finally, four years ago, Mm. and she understands that, and they are working on it. And I said, well, it's a bit rich. We've had a new dispensation for 25, well, then it was 21 years. Um, I said that we've now turned 21 Uh, We're adults and no domestic workers. And for some reason or other, they've always had to suck the hind tit, domestic workers. They just haven't got there. Now, as we sit here, there is legislation that has been signed off by the president, but it's still not operative. Now, sure. 25 years later, we're sitting in February 2019. It's still not operative. So people are phoning me, and I get, and that comes to the second part of your question. I mm. get calls all day, because for some reason or other, and I'm not sure what it is, but I think the trade unions have managed to get my phone number, at my <laughs> law firm, and people phone, especially domestic workers, and tell me what do they do? They've slipped at work. They on the way to work, the taxi had an accident. Yeah. Um, uh, at work, they've um, got some terrible uh, incident that happened. Um,
2: what kinds of things? Like what well, kinds of? Well, fa-
0: thank you. Yes, mostly it's falling. Mostly it's. Uh, I've had about in the last three months about taxi accidents.
2: Okay, well that would be covered because they are be on be the way because to you're work.
0: you're on the way to work or on the way from work, and you're covered as long as you didn't go on a joyride first fire. <laughs> Uh, a supermarket, shopping. yeah uh-huh. so, um, But most people that's on their way to work or from work I mean domestic workers live because of the spatial planning of apartheid Normally live you know, mm. a thousand Too miles far. away mm. And they have to travel um, Most domestic workers I speak to leave home just before five in the morning mm. yeah. uh, To get to work before the employer leaves off to, to go to their work So they leave at half past four five o'clock in the morning And they get, catch a taxi, a train, a taxi um, so it's horrific, and you can imagine the cost of the mm. travel compared to what you're earning. earning. Disproportionate. And, and then on top of that, you then ask them to put some money aside to cover in case you get sick or your children get sick or whatever. Now imagine yeah. if a domestic worker gets sick, she's not going to earn. She's got a certain amount of sick leave because she is now covered by the uh, um, Basic Conditions of Employment Act and the dispensation that you were talking about. So that she is covered and hopefully been registered. Mm. Because, uh, like I said, I think over 50% haven't been registered in that And that's a travesty altogether Because that's been with us now for many years mm. uh, In fact, Wendy was one of the first researchers on that, on that particular topic Because I remember speaking to her at the time
2: 2003 now, or something yeah.
0: And you were one of the first people to actually bring it to the public's attention But now we've been sitting 15 years mm. uh, with that on our statute book And I, in fact, spoke to two people yesterday who were speaking about their domestic workers and haven't registered them for anything. Not because they didn't want to and not because they couldn't afford it. They just had no idea. The domestic worker has no idea, so everyone merrily goes on their way.
2: And that's why we need to do shows like this. Mm. Absolutely.
0: So the bottom line is that it's, we're on the cusp, um, I suspect. I was hoping that the president would maybe tell us something practical in the sonar like mm. domestic workers, hurrah, are now covered, but he didn't say that. Um, they're all the big things in the country like ESCOM. But um, <laughs> the reality is for a domestic uh, worker, it's, it's, this is more important than ESCOM, yeah. um, that she is covered, he or she is covered. And for that domestic worker, and, and covers also drivers at home, gardeners, mm. people that work around the household, you call them a chauffeur or uh, whatever you, you – some people have yeah. yeah. butlers.
1: So, um, <laughs> so the big question is, Mike, until such time as – That law is in operation and effective and the situation is rectified. What can employers do themselves to try and then make sure that their employees are covered with some kind of protection in case there is an accident? Well, yes,
0: you can do a whole lot of things. First of all, I think hospital cover is actually cheap enough. And I think it's really worthwhile if a domestic worker is on the ladder. Cleaning the top part of the window, the ladder falls over. She's bent to try and uh, get to the far reaches of that. I mean, I've Mm. seen this happen, Mm. Uh, and and trying to clean a rail of a curtain or something slips off, breaks her neck. Now she got a certain amount. She's got say three or four weeks' worth of sick leave, as long as she's covered, of course. And then what? Then she doesn't earn, and she can't. Most domestic workers do not have enough money. To carry them beyond a month of no earning. Yeah. So then she's left high and dry. Now, the majority of employers, believe it or not, actually can't afford either because they're going to have to then find someone else. So they can't afford to do it. So at least hospital cover, which is cheap enough and worthwhile and at least covers you for that. Decent medical
2: care as well. Yeah.
0: So you can actually get someone that they're not crippled for life or whatever. Now, that's the first thing. The second thing is what you can do, and, and, and also if you can afford it, is actually put them on some sort of medical aid. Um, buy some really cheap medical aid that at least helps you. Now, we all know that medical aid is almost out of the reach of the majority, never mind yeah. employees, majority of employers um, can't even reach that medical aid. So it's a difficult one. I did something that was pretty naughty, and I'm happy to say it, it was illegal. I registered my domestic worker through my business. Um, i I said this is impossible, and i 'm going to register through my business um and and I tell you something it gave me a bit of peace of mind, just for mm. myself, not even for the domestic worker, because I did explain to her what i 'm doing, so mm. that um, when someone asks her that she doesn 't sort of say no i 'm not employed there <laughs> um, but at least then the two of us had a little bit of peace of mind that she was at least covered by workman 's compensation the The reality is that. A lot of people will tell us who are listening now, they'll say, but most of the domestic workers aren't even registered through UIF. Um, and a lot of employers are saying, but it's such a hassle, uh, it's such a ball." It's
1: really not. I don't buy that. <laughs> no. I know, that I, and I'll tell yeah. you why,
0: because people say, how am I going to pay it every month and I can't get through to them? You pay once a year because yeah. it's so cheap. Yes, You pay once a year, pay it up front. You can, And if you're worried because people phone me every day saying, well, we've had a domestic worker for 10 years, what now? Well, you're not, not, really not a worry. You say to the department, let me pay back a year, two years, three years. It's really cheap enough. Uh, it's like going out for dinner mm. to a posh restaurant. One night is three years' worth of UIF. Um, so for people to tell me they can't afford that, I don't buy that at all. And and please, regis- at least do that. Register with the UIF. And I'll tell you why. We're on the cusp of the workman's compensation becoming operative. And the minute it's operative and if you are registered for UIF, it becomes automatic. Yeah. And this is fantastic because it is the cheapest insurance you can get in the world. It is the cheapest insurance and it's peace of mind not only for your domestic but for you
1: Absolutely and it is so easy with the you filing system I mean I pay monthly you get an email reminding you that it is due It takes two minutes if that You get an email confirming that the payment's gone off It really is not difficult We have got a few people asking questions And I believe we have got one that's come in as a voice note If we can take a listen to that
2: hi that's interesting topic about the domestic workers what's not clear is if a domestic worker comes to you once a week how do you work all of those things out
1: um, you know her days leave her um, sick leave um, and
2: all of that if she only works one day a week for you
1: Great question. Michael, there is a difference in how the law views somebody who works more than, I think it's 27 27. hours a week is the threshold.
0: No, no, it's actually in terms of the basic, 27 is a way of calculating the minimum wage. But that's now out of the picture anyway. So we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But this is an interesting question because it's done on a pro rata basis. So you take, if you work, normally it works on a five-day week. If it's once a week, then you prorate it down. Now, I'm not a mathematician. Mm-hmm. You guys are better than me. Oh, I don't no, think that. Don't. <laughs> but, but it would be, be one fifth of, of the actual um, amount that you would have to pay in. What has happened, and we did an exercise, and I think this was very really similar to the time I spoke to you, Wendy, many years ago. We got, uh, I, I put out an advert and um, through the Chamber of Commerce, the Cape Chamber of Mm. Commerce and Industry. And I got employers to band together to say, four of you employ the same domestic. And then you band together, and it becomes then much more manageable because – uh, and often people in the same road or the same block of flats yes. saying, I can afford a Monday and Tuesday, you can have Wednesday, et cetera. And I got people to band together. They formed partnerships. And not only did they then pay the UIF through one and then they reimbursed that person, they then got all sorts of other benefits like a pension fund and those That's sort of things, some yeah. sort of retirement mm, annuity. And, and I'm I'm recommending that to people because it is becoming more and more of an operation where people are actually sharing domestics because of the minimum wage and because that now has become operative as well. Yeah. And people are banding together in partnerships. But for this lady, thank you for that question. It's prorated, um, pro-rated mm. um, in terms of you got one day a week as opposed to – uh, five days five. a week, and, and, that, and they'll work that out.
1: A quick one before we go to news. Sorry, several people asking my about the household insurance policy. The WhatsApp saying my household insurance covers people being injured in my house. Would my domestic worker not be covered?
0: Under certain circumstances, but it actually is an employee of yours. So you look at that insurance policy very carefully because it's normally for visitors that, that, mm-hmm. it, that it covers. So for instance, if your dog bites someone, and that's what it's intended for, for visitors and for people visiting or workers coming outside your employee. If it's someone in your employer, I'm not so sure they would cover you. Some of the insurance policies do. I haven't seen them all. Uh, I know mine doesn't okay do that and yes that's an idea also to possibly negotiate that with your insurers remember employers you can be liable for instance if you give the domestic worker a set of stairs um, to go and clean a window and you know full well that, you're, that you're, your um, ladder is a bit rickety, you could be held liable for her injuries and she could sue you. Um, and lawyers are very quick to jump on that. It's, it's <laughs> on, on gross negligence.
1: And listen to that because it's coming from the mouth of a lawyer. So believe him <laughs> when he tells you. Uh, yeah, fascinating conversation. Uh, we do need to wrap to go to news. Uh, Wendy, any just final words before we do that?
2: I just, this just yeah as quickly as you can Michael I found it very difficult trying to research what the minimum daily rate would be for somebody working um in a in a city such as Cape Town and and outside of Cape Town I gave you a figure um, and you said, no, that's not right, which I suspected it wasn't. Do you have those figures, just to mind, quickly before we go to Yes, news?
0: it's absolutely simple. There's now the national minimum wage has come into operation, and it's 15 rand per hour with a minimum of four hours per day. Okay, You cannot employ someone less than four hours, and even if they only work three hours, you must you pay, them, pay for them for four, four hours. hours. Mm. And it's 15 rand. That's only for 12 months, so in January 2020, that
1: will probably up. Okay, but out. for now, that Hopefully, is the Hopefully,
2: most people are paying more than that absolute minimum, but that is um, that is the bare the minimum. Law. That and is the law. Thank that you, is Michael. That is the minimum,
1: not the target. Yes. Please, let's just yes. reinforce that. Yes. Michael Bagram, labor lawyer, thank you so much for joining us today. Some very, very valuable insight there. Really appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola. You can join the conversation.
1: Right, so we've got a couple of questions and comments on the issue of domestic workers and their cover. Uh, I'll take those before we move on to the okay. next uh, item, if I may, about uh, doctors' billing. Uh, there's also a voice note. Let's start with the voice note, if we will, may.
0: Hi, Papa. It's Bruce Morgan here. Yeah? I'm phoning you from a company called GreatSoft. Uh, this is a very, very interesting discussion you have in now,
2: uh, and uh, a lot of people have, have told us over time how difficult it is to, to keep the admin up to date. Uh, Together with uh, 567, a number of months ago, we launched a
0: completely free uh, payroll service where we take control of all of that admin. If any of your uh, listeners are interested, have a look at uh, greatsoft.cozo because it's completely free uh, and it uh, helps any household manage the admin, whether it's one or two um, domestic workers they have. Anyhow, if you want to chat
1: to me, my number is 083. Okay, my, my producer has got the number Bruce, thank you so much for that reminder That's uh, fantastic that somebody's trying to make it easier Yeah, Wendy. we yeah. do
2: like a free service so Absolutely, thank you for that. so thank
1: you very much to Bruce And great soft um, uh, Just a comment on the WhatsApp line from someone saying I could never understand why domestic workers Earn less than farm workers At least mm. farm workers mostly have accommodation on the farm Whereas most domestic workers still have to pay for transport
2: oh, And that's such a huge and it's such said, a, a huge chunk A proportionate chunk, yeah, chunk yeah.
1: of their income uh, so Two comments, well one is a, a query for help michelle emailing to say who do we contact at the uif we've emailed registration papers through in may last year and still have not managed to finish the process she okay. says i've tried phoning and emailing several
2: times and just get no response it's pretty michael's left the mark but we yes. will get that information from him. he deals with the stuff all yeah day, michelle we will
1: ask him to give us a, a recommendation on a, a direct we'll- contact
2: And we'll post it, yeah. Okay. Amy's on got on top of that one. And then a a
1: question from, uh, and in fact, there are two questions of a similar nature, both from people who employ foreign nationals. They're
2: legally employed, but the question is, do all these rules apply to them? Absolutely. When I was doing my research, there was even a specific mention of the fact that they are entitled to get public holidays off as well. Apparently, there's some feeling among some employers that because they aren't South Africans, they don't deserve to get our public holidays, which is quite... Quite a thing to get your head around that people would think that. But yes, all these um, regulations um, apply to foreign. Uh, to foreigners employed here as, as well as to well. south Africans. Yes. okay thanks
1: for clarifying right uh, let's move on if we
2: may i'm happy i mean if there are
1: follow-up questions on the uf do send them through but i also do want to make some open line time so you can get dialing on 0214460567 if you've got another kind of consumer query in the meantime wendy let's deal with a question that came up during the course of the week whether doctors are allowed to charge for an appointment if you don't cancel within a certain window
2: Okay, so they can i i I got hold of the health professions professions <laughs> Council of South Africa. Um, because I've I've seen these notices all over. You know, please note if you don't uh, if you don't give us 24 hours notice of cancellation, you will be charged and all that, that kind of thing. I've never thought to check on the legality of that. Yes. So yes, the, the the council's ethical guidelines do state that while a patient has the right to cancel a medical or dental appointment, the medical practitioner does have the right to charge them a consultation fee if they cancel with less than 24 hours notice for a specialist appointment and even less. For um, a GP appointment, in other words, so it, that's a bit vague. So I suppose yep. you should check then and find out what what length of um, cancellation they require. It's that twelve to twenty four hours, I would imagine, somewhere there. Yeah. But there can be no more than twenty four hours I notice that they require, right? Um But that's not all. The practitioner, according to those ethical guidelines, must provide evidence that they failed to find another patient in the time between getting the cancellation and the appointment times. So in other words, they can't enrich themselves and get a double fee. For so the same you cancel.
1: Time. Sorry, we're going to keep your money. Plus, I got a new patient and I'll take their yes, money as I, well. I don't know how many yeah. people
2: would check, but it's interesting to know that should they, I mean, get another patient um, in in your cancelled slot. Um, They can't then go on and charge you for it. Um, And they must also ask the reason why. The the guidelines don't elaborate to say, well, if you were tending to a family emergency, for example, then we won't charge it. But there is some kind of onus on them uh, to find out why it was necessary for the cancellation, not because my salon (laughs) cancelled. Told me I can have my facial in that time, yeah, or whatever. Um, so I, the reason I raised this issue with the HPCSA was um, a listener, Felicity, uh, queried the cancellation of a psychologist that a relative of hers made an appointment with and then cancelled with a lot more than 24 hours' notice, incidentally. It was then that she was pointed to the psychologist's cancellation policy, which states that individual sessions that have been booked and then cancelled will be charged for in full. If a minimum of 24 hours notice is given, the session may be rescheduled if it is in the same week as the cancelled session and only if there is an appointment available in that week.
1: And how many specialists have got an appointment available that week? Exactly.
2: So that's a little add-on that they're not entitled to do in terms of the HPCSA's ethical guidelines. If a medical appointment is cancelled with 24 hours notice, you cannot be charged, end of story, no conditions. Um, And again, you can't be charged if... um, Someone Someone else took that appointment so that, you know, it's not the idea is not for the practitioner to be enriching themselves. So, as I said, I learned something in researching that question. Thank you, Felicity. Uh, Knowledge is power. Absolutely. Um, Don't let them hit you with these conditions. And it is a little disturbing that a medical practitioner who should be up on the Health Professions Council's ethical guidelines has seen fit to insert that condition. Into their terms and conditions,
1: which they're not allowed to do. Okay, mm. thank you. Just a note, and you're not going to like the news uh, news headline I'm reading over your shoulder on the television, Wendy. Parliament has just withdrawn the proposed legislation aimed at reducing data costs.
2: Oh, are uh, you
1: kidding uh, me? The uh, Electronic Communications Amendment Bill, unlikely to be finalised this term, is the Communications Minister's feedback that's been withdrawn to enable further consultations. Oh, so, I wonder how long that's going to delay everything. Second
2: time I've added a story. Earlier in the week explaining how it was going to work. I spent a day with CELC because actually, they actually fully comply now okay. as of December Sometimes CELC are, okay. Yeah. Um, they're the ones that actually went to the High Court to, channel, to challenge um, ICASA when they wanted to implement these data regulations mid-year last year. Um, all the others didn't like it either, but they actually went to court to say, well, you have a month's notice. It's you, not enough. It's not year. enough. It's, a, it's physically impossible. And then they went ahead and made plans to implement Um and they are fully oh. compliant. But, yeah, I'm, I'm actually over this now because it's such a hot point and 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 rightly so for so many consumers. And we keep saying, right, this is what you can expect from the end of this month. And then and then
1: the goalposts change and then, again. Yeah, yeah, there's, again. There's a, yeah, there's
2: a bigger story behind this. I don't know if we'll ever get to. But. Anyway, well, uh, more to come on this one. Um, Right. Uh,
1: we also had a question come in last week, I think it was, Wendy, from somebody who had been to the Century City Post Office only to find it yes. closed. and it was, They were trying to track down registered mail that yes, had been sent Yes, and, and we
2: were saying how ridiculous that they don't put a notice up on the doors to at least say go to this um, post office in the area and, and get your post. Um, I'm happy to report that um, my spokesperson, my contact, communications com- contact at the post office has told me this week that, um, that post office has reopened. They paid the rent. This <laughs> is what it's got to That was the issue. They hadn't paid their rent. The landlords oh, just bolted goodness. the doors. So, um, it did open, um, I think last week, beginning of the month. Um, for now it is open. The rent is paid and, uh, yeah, let's okay. hope it stays that way. Well,
1: I, I do feel that a, a post office show coming on Definitely. again soon, Wendy, because there are a couple of issues bubbling under and several new cases that have come to us in the last week or so. So
2: we're going to look we're at revisit that. both I think. Um, the time it's taking for goods, posted, letters, parcels, the whole lot from overseas to us here in South Africa, from businesses and um, loved ones alike. And then also... Um, the same spokesman told me just this week that that domestic mail is on track. It's taking around four days mm. between major destinations. Mm. Um, what I'm hearing is contradicting that. So we're going. If you have a horror story of your own around, um, particularly
1: local local post.
2: postage and the time it's taking, please let us know um, because we're going to be looking at that issue in a coming show.
1: Okay. So the way to let us know is either email me H at cape Or email Wendy directly with your uh, story. Consumer at nola.co.za, K-N-O-W-L-E-R. And just put Facebook, uh, not Facebook, put Cape Talk, (laughs) where is my brain today? Cape Talk Post Office in the subject line, please. Wendy will keep her eyes peeled for those. Uh, Before we take Linda's call, Somebody's SMS saying, since when is the phrase half a loaf is better than no I've bread? I've never heard of that either. I have. I've grown up with that Maybe. saying my
2: whole life. I like the other bread one, which was the next. So
1: I'm intrigued. It's, it's, it's very, very. It's the st- first yeah. one all
2: week that I haven't known because they're normally okay. so easy and simple. But I've also <laughs> never heard that.
1: It's so easy and simple when you're listening at home. It's a whole other bottle of, uh, of juice when on the other end of the line. I
2: have to just about loaves. I read it out to colleague to start Before we came on air, I got a very outraged email from um a consumer in KZN saying he bought a quarter bunny. You know, you know, yes. in case when a bunny chow is right, and it was actually an only an eighth bunny. <laughs> and, and I said, "Well, send me a picture if you can, and I'll do something about it." A bunny so chow. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently, a quarter bunny is not better than no bunny when you've oh, paid for a quarter. Yeah. One.
1: <laughs> right. Let's go to the lines and say hello to Linda in Woodstock. Linda, good to have you with us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We were taught off. A love is better than none. <laughs> That's interesting Okay, I grew up thinking half a loaf is better than, than no bread. bread I've never heard that Two of. different versions of the same so saying. It Yes you called about flights Linda Yes, yes. Um,
2: A flight was booked And had to be
1: cancelled on the last minute Because they didn't have visas For the children And they didn't know they had to have visas For this particular country So
2: they were only refunded Half the money Is that the correct thing to do? um that's a tricky one the only time that the cpa allows for total cancellation with full refund is if the ticket was paid for or the person it was booked for is hospitalized or dies in which case they must do a full refund otherwise um, you're subject to the terms and conditions, I'm afraid, of that particular airline for that flight. Um, not having a visa wouldn't wouldn't qualify in, in terms of that section of the Act and cancellations. I'm sorry to tell you, Linda. Um,
1: it's a pity because the agent should have told the, the
2: couple that I, the children needed visas. Thank you for saying that, but yeah. I can't tell you how many cases I've covered where the um, consumer, the passenger, has relied on the The travel agent to tell them these things either didn't mention anything at all or told them specifically you do not need a visa for that country and it it turned out to be that that they did and then there's, you know, as as you've now described, the the ticket needs to be cancelled. So um, my advice is always do your own Research on that visa issue, and also it changes. You know, sometimes, for example, you don't need a visa to go to Ireland at the moment. That could change, and uh, you'd expect the agent to be up on that sort of information. That's but, what you're but, them for. yeah, yeah. But uh, well, you don't pay them; they're getting the cuts from the airlines. But it's still but the you're service them they're your providing, business. exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah, please always do your own checks and don't trust what the agent's telling you. I'm, f- I'm afraid most. Um, I'd like to think most of them are very professional, but there are those who are getting it wrong at the consumer's, uh, to the consumer's detriment and uh, an immense cost
1: okay Linda I'm sorry I know it's not the answer you were hoping to hear but uh, it is the correct one thank you Wendy Uh, right interesting one going back to the doctor's cancellations Daniel in Betty's Bay asking purely for interest's sake I think a quite pertinent question how if at all is the consumer protected if your doctor's appointment is delayed so you arrive on time for your scheduled appointment and then only get to see the doctor 45 minutes or more afterwards this is
2: a bugbear that many have Mm. um, but I Yes, I find that annoying because you you get the distinct impression when you arrive having, you know, made acute arrangements and stressed and whatever to get there on time. You do rather get the impression with some medical practitioners that it's just a sort of moving target for them, a sort of vague approximate yeah. thing. Um, but I have been on the other side of that, especially with a pediatrician with a sick child where you've taken – you know, you're supposed to be in for half an hour and it, it becomes much longer than that and you're the one keeping if the Making other... everybody else delay. Yes. Yeah. So I suppose given the nature of their work, it could be argued that some leeway is, um, is you know, understandable. It's reasonable. And yeah. I know, for example, my GP um, gets called in when there's a caesar. She gets called in to assist and sometimes it's an emergency and off she goes and so... It's a difficult one. It's it's a it's the prof- a profession. It is a
1: profession which is at the mercy of emergencies at most times. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean
2: having said that, I'm sure many just don't bother about it and, and aren't at all fussed about the fact that um, you know they're keeping so many people waiting and yeah. routinely. But then again, you know, if they certainly for those of us who have medical aid, there isn't a particular shortage of of doctors. So find yeah. one that's perhaps a little better with keeping to appointment times than others. Well, that's what I did. I was just sitting here thinking, I can think of one prominent dermatologist in
1: Cape Town where you will routinely go in two hours late. No. Well, she's no longer my dermatologist no, for that so very reason. That's so, the thing. Yeah. We have, to, we so have the power of choice. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Act with your feet. Uh, right. A comment on the WhatsApp line in response to Linda's call so simply saying travel insurance is much cheaper than a cancellation fee when traveling. I should have said that. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I, I'm very <laughs> given the nature of my work, I, I insure myself for just about everything that it's possible to insure myself for. So thank you. For, I should have mentioned that. For especially the for out. that okay. kind of scenario, do get the travel insurance. We've got one and a bit minutes to squeeze in a happy customer
1: service uh, story oh, yes. to end the, the show, if we can, Wendy. Robin Fishhook and the story of the Zippo lighter.
2: I love it. And I especially love that Rob actually took the trouble to tell me about it. So... He came across an old zipper lighter and discovered that it lacked the spring to hold that flint against the wheel as well as the retaining screw for the springs. In other words, the, the basic mechanism w- wasn't, wasn't working. working. Yeah. So he wrote to Zipper South Africa to ask where in Cape Town he could buy those replacement parts. Zippo brand manager Taki Tsonis got back to him within 12 minutes, I love that part, to say that the company's Cape Town branch should have a complete inner replacement for him. So he made the call and Stacy said they had a rep out his way every few days and would drop off a new inner for him at no charge wow it gets better not only did that happen but the rep dropped off not one but six inners enough to last him for the rest of his life he (laughs) He said if there were rewards for customer service i reckon zippo would be a shoe and at a time when so many companies treat one as though they are doing you a massive favor to me this is a prime example of absolutely outstanding service on a par or better than any. Any, anywhere in any country. And I
1: agree. I do. And let's hope Rod's using the Zippo's to light the candles in light shedding <laughs> <laughs> rather <laughs> than <point>. cigarettes. <laughs> 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 I do think that's pretty impressive. And, Rob, thanks for letting us know and, and sharing that story. Well done to Zippo SA. And what a great way to finish
2: the show and today, Wendy. a great example for others. Absolutely. Hard
1: to serve. Just a reminder, if you've got a query to send to Wendy, the email address is consumer at nola.co.za. We'll chat again next week, Wendy. We'll do.